Hi, and welcome to the podcast from Knox Presbyterian Church in McDonald's Corners, Ontario. Knox is part of a three-church charge between Elfin, Snow Road, and McDonald's Corners. Each Sunday, there's a 9.30 a.m. service in Elfin or Snow Road, and then again at Knox in McDonald's Corners. If you are able to join us next week, we'd love to see you at one of our services. If not, we hope this reaches you wherever you are. This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page. Good morning. morning. This is Pentecost Sunday. And um, it's always a favorite time of of, of my year. I I say that sincerely. Uh, Not just because I hailed from the Pentecostal church, uh, and sometimes I think that they have uh, lost the early spirit that they had, but, um, but it's because of who you are that makes the difference. And uh, so we welcome you today and trust that God will strengthen you and bless you. And we're glad to have Rocky and Sarah. Alara. Clara. Yes. Thank you. I need help every once in a while. Thank you very much. Thank you for your kindness uh, in being here, all of you. I'll tell you, it was an amazing night last night. There were almost more Presbyterians at the uh, CHEO fundraiser than there were any other group. Could I say that? Yeah, I think it was. So uh, I was proud. Uh, It was a great evening, and we want to thank all of the participants, Joel and and uh, Tracy and the two kids sang a duet. Man, they were amazing. Caleb and Isla. And we had lots of kids involved from our church there. Man, it was an amazing evening. Matter of fact, a lot of you that are here again this morning, which I find amazing, were there last night. So uh, thank you for showing up and giving us such a, a great evening. The food was spectacular. Of course, that always is a favorite of mine. I don't know about you guys, but the music, music and the, uh, the, 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 the fundraising in terms of uh, uh, auctioneering, boy, Tim did a, quite a bang-up job on that. I was quite impressed. I didn't get a chance to thank him afterwards because uh, we left a little bit early because I, as you know, I have an hour and a half drive home and then I have another half an hour, half hour and a half drive back here, so I figured that... Uh, uh, if I was going to make it for those three hours of driving, I should uh, leave uh, earlier rather than later. I'm going to ask uh, Harvey to come with the announcements. Well, you stole my thunder. I was going to mention about the, the party last night as oh, well, but I don't have to do that now. You can still mention it. <laughs> it was a wonderful evening. Thank you very much to the entire Wheeler family for the precision that you took place to deliver the food, serving it. It was done so beautifully. Thank you. And, and Isla and Kayla, Caleb, thank you for that beautiful duet. That was wonderful. So this morning, uh, any birthdays today? This week? Nobody? Okay, good. I guess we're not going to play that. I'm going to get to that. Yeah, thank you. So, 
On June the 18th, Presbytery will meet in Elfin at 10 a.m. 10 a.m.? Still 10 a.m.? Yes. Okay. And, um, uh, and there'll be uh, 10 a.m. worship and recognition of uh, Pastor Philip here. The service yeah. will only be half an hour. So okay. that means, I, I can't imagine they can keep it that short, but hey, we'll see. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> okay, and then uh, of course there'll be a lunch break and so on and, and resume at one o'clock. So anyway, um, the congregations are encouraged to come and worship. June 23rd, 11 a.m., Elfin Anniversary, the 173rd, and at Crawford Cemetery in the afternoon. And uh, Reverend Bob Hill will be the guest speaker. And on July the 21st is Knox, 174th Anniversary at the High Online Cemetery afterwards. Guest speaker is Reverend uh, Philip. August 2nd is the Knox Bake Sale, which is a big event, and we encourage everybody to to patronize that. August 25th is Snow Road 134th anniversary with Pastor Philip presiding. And special music by Wayne and Mary Abrams, we all know them. October 6th is the Knox Fall Beef Supper. And of course, the, uh, uh, the choir. Can you just tell me the dates on that again, Linda? Choir practice is this Thursday night. This Thursday night. Following Thursday night at Elfin at 7. I hope there's no hockey game. No, there won't be. There won't be. I hope. So there you have the announcements. And um, I, I, I ask you to please pray for all the shut-ins and the sick. Uh, because it's very important. Anything else? Thank you. Just before we begin our worship, uh, I want to thank all those who participated in making the front of the church so lovely. Who all was part of that? Come on, don't be shy. Mrs. Stewart was. Okay, who else was there? There you go. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful job because there was a lot of work there, a lot of cutting back, and, and so thank you so much for such a uh, a wonderful display of uh, of artistry, I might add, because um, uh, I tell you, it does make such such a difference, indeed. Well, um, the call to worship is in front of you, and I will lead, um, and you will be the people of God, because that's what you are. Based on Psalm 104, I praise you, Lord, with all my heart. You are glorious and majestic. By your you created all of them by your spirit, and you continually give new life to this earth. I hope my thoughts will please you because you make me happy. With all my heart, I will praise you. Lord, I will praise you. Our gathering song is number 399, 
spirit of gentleness. Gentleness flow through the wilderness. 
Thank you. May be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to you so grateful for this beautiful weather. And though we could do with a few less black flies and mosquitoes, we give you thanks for them as well, knowing full well that uh, that may pass too. We give you thanks, Lord, for our week, all that you've done, and we especially raise our voices and hearts to you that your Holy Spirit is at work in the church and in the world today. We ask you now to guide our lives, guide our worship, and may your Holy Spirit be evident as we have gathered in your precious name. Through Christ our Lord, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Be assured of this, that when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Blessed be his holy name. Well, the song we're going to sing is number 398, When the Spirit of the Lord Moves in My Heart, and I'm going to ask the children to come up and join me.
Okay, we're going back down there because I want to be close to the kids. Um, how many of you uh, still use pencils or crayons? Well, I'm so glad because then I can tell my story. Caleb can't remember that far. <laughs> and most of us can't, the truth be known. So there's nothing you can remember that you did wrong this week. What might it be? You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, tell it out loud. You just have to write it down. You don't remember. I, I <laughs> when we do something wrong, the Bible tells us that 
that we have a record in heaven when we do something right. There's a recording of what that, of that what we've done right, and uh, and I'll bet you that a lot of people came and told you how wonderful they enjoyed your music last night. Did a lot of people tell you that? If they didn't, I'm going to talk to them. The fact is that all of us do things that are wrong, and I'm just going to put mine down, my sin. Okay. I'm going to write mine down. And then I'm going to ask you to erase it. Sure to thank you this morning. So now can you erase that? I've got an eraser right here. Never again. 
It's never going to go, it's never going to be brought up to you again. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So when we do something wrong, mom and dad do it all the time. Well, most of the time. And so we're going to pray that the Lord is with you when you go to Sunday school and ask God to bless your lives, that you will live your life so that when you do make mistakes, you'll come to Jesus and ask him to forgive you. All right? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for our boys and girls. They are the most wonderful kids in the world. And we ask you, Lord, to bless their lives as they go to Children's Church. We thank you for all those people that contribute to instruct them. Melanie and, uh, and uh, Dora and, and the boys, all the boys that participate, and Alicia and, and Sam and John. And we ask you, Lord, to be with them as they go down to Children's Church and bless their lives. We pray, so Lord, we pray. Amen. All right, you can go now. You got your shades. Let us pray the prayer together as we listen to God's word. It's right in your bulletins. It's just under where it says the big eraser. Let's pray it together as a people of God. Today, O oh God, we are not praying for quietness, nor that our troubles would go away. We pray that your spirit and your love would give us the strength and grace to overcome adversity. Amen. I'm going to ask Tom to come and read the scriptures. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. Okay. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be the tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of us hears them in our own native language? Now bear with me with the pronunciation pronunciations here. I uh, maybe don't know some of these words, but Perithians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near the Syrene visitors of Rome, both the Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders 
of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, saying, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine of nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all of the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs of earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will not be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You can send me anything you like in terms of illustrations, and I will probably use them, and I'm going to do that this morning. I've done it before, and I, I'll do it again. You can email me, you can text me, uh, or you can just send it to me on hard copy. These are church bulletin bloopers, and if you listen carefully, they are really funny. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double doors at the side entrance. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Jean will be leading a Weight Watchers series Wednesday night. She's used the program herself and has been growing like crazy ever since. <laughs> the rosebud on the altar this morning is to announce the birth of David Allen Belzer, the sin of Reverend and Mrs. Julius Belzer. This afternoon there was a meeting on the south and north ends of the church. Children will be baptized at both ends. <laughs> Thursday night, potluck supper, prayer and medication to follow. The doctor, the Reverend Dr. Adams uh, spoke briefly, much to the delight of his audience. And eight new choir robes have cur are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and to the deterioration of some older ones. <laughs> Aren't they great? Well, you know, I love those because because I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened when I was, uh, became the pastor and was ordained at the oldest Pentecostal church in Canada. It's on the Kinburn Road, side road, and uh, they've got a new building there, but they still have the old one. It's a heritage site, actually, uh, for both for Pentecostals and also for the area. It's one of the oldest buildings. It was built in 1911, the church was established in 1910, and, um, and I want to tell you a story about that church, talking about Pentecostals. Uh, 
they, uh, uh, when they were uh, considered me as as pastor, uh, they called me and uh, they had uh, a service first of all of my ordination, and then they had a service of um, of uh, induction. Guess what was read on the bulletin Sunday morning as I picked it up? Reverend Robillard will be ordained today, and then he'll be induced into our service of worship. Uh, that uh, was actually, actually happened. The fact is that uh, we live in a world today which needs to have a return to recognizing what the Holy Spirit can do. And um, I was, uh, my sermon title is one that's very intentional. It asks the question, are you Pentecostal? I could truly say that I came from Pentecostal roots, but that doesn't make me a Pentecostal. Understand that. Well-known author and preacher Fred Craddock tells a very funny story of a lecture he gave at a seminary on the West Coast. A young man stood up after he'd just started and said, before you begin, uh, Dr. Craddock, I need to know if you are Pentecostal. And the room grew really silent. Craddock looked around for the dean of students, but he was nowhere to be found. He'd left. And the student continued his line of questioning. Craddock was taken aback. He said, do you mean, do I belong to the Pentecostal church? Young man, no. I mean, are you Pentecostal? Craddock then responded, are you asking if I'm a charismatic? The man said, no, I'm asking you, are, are you Pentecostal? Craddock then responded, do you want to know if I speak in tongues? And the young man said, I want to know if you are Pentecostal. And Craddock said, I don't understand the question. And the young man responded, well, obviously you're not Pentecostal. With that, he got up and left the room. <laughs> the fact is that uh, that could very well happen anywhere. Believe you me. The church, though, historically insists that the word Pentecost or Pentecostal remain in our vocabulary not only as a noun, but as an adjective. If we simply look at the, this date back how many years ago, we, we recognize that this is the date or the birth date of the church's beginning. It's an event in history that happened way back when. It describes who the church is and was. Pentecostal in experience literally means to be alive in God's spirit. That's really what Pentecost is all about. How do we keep the fire burning though when we take a moment to think about it? The fact is that uh, you can only be Pentecostal if you're alive and continue to be organic. Now, what does that mean? A living organism. I remember there was a professor one time, and he was from Newfoundland, and um, he was speaking, and he kept saying that we are to be an organ, instead of saying organic, we are to be an organism, a living organism. Well, then he corrected himself and said, we're to be a living orga orga orgasm. <laughs> and everybody looked at him. And he continued through his whole sermon like that. 
It was a Pentecostal, of course, service, but, but um, a Pentecostal school, so they kind of forgave him. And at the end, one of the students says, how can we experience being a living organism in the, in the world that we live in? And with that, the professor said, well, that's the subject for another class, because it'll take more than that to talk about it, and, and it does. The fact is, though, that we must be, the word really means to, be, to, to be, continue to be a living organism in Christ. We must be continually changing. We must be continually growing. We must be continually drawing upon the Holy Spirit, who, after all, is the representative of God Almighty here on this earth for you and for me. That's what it's all about. How do we keep this aliveness? How do we keep the fire burning? What are we to do to be open to God's spirit and the moving of his spirit in maturing us? What must exist in us and around us and throughout our world if we are to reflect God's Holy Spirit? We are to be Pentecostal in experience, not as a denomination, I think a lot of Pentecostals have lost what they, their fervency that they once had. But the fact remains that we are Pentecostal if we are alive in Christ. And that's reflective in our community. We were well represented last night. Were we being Pentecostal? No. But were we Pentecostal in what we were doing? Yes. Because we were reaching out in care and concern and supporting a hospital drive uh, for children. What a wonderful cause. What a wonderful time we had last night. And here you thought you were Presbyterians. <laughs> there are three things that we need to have, and, and the, the scripture talked about it, the passage that Tom so capably read, he did pretty good with the names. Tom, thank you. The Bible says there are three things. This passage actually says there are three things that were happening that made those who were disciples and those surrounding them who'd been praying for this gift of the Holy Spirit, there were three things that are consistent with what needs to happen in the local church and the church worldwide if we are to be Pentecostal. Number one, the Bible tells us that they were all in one accord. Now that's amazing in church, <laughs> that everybody came together for one reason and one reason alone. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost came, the apostles were together with those who were new to the faith. They knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was and is the living word or the oracle of God for future generations. They were told to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, anticipate it. I want to tell you the story about the church that I served in much later in time than when I started. And uh, this church is called, uh, was called at the time um, Kinburn Pentecostal Church. But all of our people came from anywhere but Kinburn. They came from uh, Crown Point and uh, Constance Bay and they came from uh, Carp. And they came from uh, 
the local area that is to the to the north of them, um, and 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 so they were they were coming from all over, and our church began to grow from the time I arrived. But let me tell you something: there were some old saints who decided that if they didn't grow, they were going to die, and so they began to pray, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And they had a, a, a young man who came to be their, their pastor who felt called to the mission field. And they weren't too excited about that because that means he wasn't going to be staying for too long. Well, he ended up staying for four years, preparing to go to uh, Argentina. And they mastered the language of the locals and then went and did their part. I remember the day he was leaving. And they had a wonderful celebration at the community center because they couldn't fit everybody into the church. And they did have a place also to hold uh, a time of uh, fellowship. So here we were. And, uh, but the church initially, when it was founded, was founded because people prayed. And when I was there, people again started to pray. None of them were around in 1911. They might have been born, but they weren't part of the church. But something happened that day. It's recorded, actually, by a friend of mine named Roy Fortune. He was a French teacher and wrote a few books, like Father Like Son, very interesting book, and uh, it has sold uh, hundreds of books. But, uh, but Roy decided he was going to do a, a history of the church in our community and area. And uh, he, he records what one of the firemen, volunteer firemen of the day, uh, wrote as a report to what happened. The evening came, and of course there was a service going on in the church. The church was packed. It only sat, at best, probably enough people that would be able to sit in that set of pews. And, um, and uh, probably 90 people, I, I'd say when we were full, because I started in that old church, uh, probably we were, we were running 85 to 90, and that was packed. We had to put out chairs. So it wasn't very big. And uh, I decided to keep the worship team on the platform from the time I arrived because we needed more space in the pews. But I'll never forget, as, as Roy wrote that book, he came across this testimonial, written testimonial. It was actually a report from the fire, one of the fire, uh, volunteer firemen of the area. And in it, he talks about him looking out towards the church because he lived right across the street from it. And there was little bits of fire all over the roof and so he quickly went to the, went into Kinburn and rang the alarm. And to the amazement of everyone when they arrived, they saw this too, but there was no fire. Now you may say that's hard to believe. It is hard to believe, almost impossible to believe, unless you believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in the church and revealing the presence of Christ in differing ways over its history and time. We've had times when the, the church and the history of the church, and, and I don't want to get into a dissertation on that, but I could, where the church was dead. It was a dark age. As a matter of fact, it was called the dark ages of the church in most history books. But since that time, there have been constant renewals and revivals of churches across the world. 
The first thing they were, though, is they were one accord. And uh, Peter, the, the, the lead apostle, they had been seeking God's presence, and the Bible says that it was, as it were, tongues of fire that settled upon them each, and they spoke in other languages for the benefit of those who were part of the audience. Because, you see, what ended up happening was these people went outside because they couldn't contain the energy that was there. And so they went outside and suddenly they're speaking in tongues, but they're speaking to the audience that happens to be there all around. People, uh, proselytes of the Judeo uh, understanding were, were there for the feast of Pentecost. And all of them were there. And suddenly these people from every walk of life were all Galileans, but they began to speak in the language that people could understand and presented the glories of God. It was a wonderful time, I'm sure. It's never happened since, or has it? Well, we don't know. We don't know. But the fact is that we're told, they were told, the people of the early church were told to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, anticipate him. And they were all in court. As a matter of fact, it tells us they shared all things in common. Folks, I want you to notice that it's important for us to realize that it would never be that way again. And you may wonder that, but after the, after the initial launching of the church, there were some problems. As a matter of fact, in the gathering of the General Assembly, oh, pardon me, that's Presbyterian, uh, gathering of the, of the of leaders from all around uh, on the life of this fast-growing church, Peter and Paul got into such an argument that they thought there'd be fisticuffs. Actually, the church thought it would happen, but it's been going on ever since. Would you be surprised if I told you that several churches in our region have a reputation for constant in-house fighting. Would you be surprised? Oh, come on. I don't believe that. Because I have the privilege of serving you. And I don't see that. I think, I think I am blessed to be part of what God is doing in McDonald's Corners, Elfin, and Snow Road. The fact is that sometimes people love their ideas more than they love Jesus. Have you ever seen that in action? I have many times. Of course, being a pastor of, of five churches in my past, that's, that's what happens. You get to see the ugly. Uh, yet the Bible tells us that we are to be a community. That means in there is the little word unity. A community of people. An ecclesia. That's the word in the original Greek. It's also the word in French. The Ecclesia is the church. And we are part of that. It's a community. The fact is that we are to be that. And if we ever expect things of God to happen in our church, it will be because we were in one accord. We want God to move in the hearts and lives of people, in us, beginning in us, and then out into the community. So we, unity was important. They were all in one accord. Secondly, Acts 1 and 14, we have to go actually back to the first chapter. They all joined together consistently in prayer. Do you know where the church 
of Jesus Christ is growing the fastest. It's not in Canada. It's not in the United States. It's in places like Korea and Africa and Latin America. The Philippines. Will Graham, great a grandson of Dr. Billy Graham, was in the Philippines lately. He's kind of a low-key preacher, but boy, is he seeing results. And he knows how to pray. He's the grandson, of course. And he was in the Philippines lately, and there was a, an estimated 149,600 people came to the giant football stadium. Not football like we know with two hands on the ball, but, but a round ball, soccer, the way we know it. And of those that came, over 49,200 made professional confessions to receiving Jesus Christ. Ask any of our Korean pastors. Do you know that the Korean church, within the Presbyterian church, is getting the place where it is larger than the rest of the members of the community in Christ? We have some humongous churches. I think now we have um, uh, probably a quarter of the churches that are Korean and Chinese are now uh, way uh, bigger than, than any of our churches in Canada, and their Presbyterian churches in Canada. Why, there's about five or six churches that are over 2,000 in the city of Toronto alone. There are churches across our entire country that are of Korean descent that are being used of God. Uh, I think I probably told you, but it bears repeating, is that when I was uh, in a Korean church, actually it was an induction for uh, David Chu, who is now one of our leading uh, pastors in the Presbyterian Church, and it, within the Korean, uh, Korean context, they call their ministers pastors. Always have. And, um, but things are happening. Do you know that in Korea, in South Korea, there is an ex exciting explosion of new people found in Christ. And the key has been in every case is the amount of prayer that goes up. The Korean people know how to pray. And the Bible tells us Jesus Christ foretold this through his word, of course, in the Old Testament. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land and forgive their sin. And I will open up a, a, a storehouse from heaven that you'll not be able to contain. Wow, what a promise. But it's for us. Because the Bible says it's for you and for your generations behind you and for all that are far off. That means you and me. And that thrills me that that's happening. But it takes prayer. The fact is that uh, the Presbyterian Church within the, Pres uh, uh, the Korean church, Korean people within the Presbyterian church, they figure in the next five years will be bigger than the non, than the non uh, Koreans. We got some exciting churches. I was in one church of Philadelphia in Toronto just a short time ago. I went in and served, just kind of snuck in because I happened to be in Toronto and they were having a prayer meeting. I don't know how many were there, but I would say that there was well over 600 people in that evening service. And uh, I sat there and I thought, oh God, would you do that amongst those that are Caucasians? Would you touch our hearts? 
I can touch theirs. It was an amazing evening. I well, listen because you see they don't pray quietly. <laughs> you almost think it was Pentecostal service going on, but they're not. This is the way they are. This is the way they always have been since the inception of the explosion of the church in Korea back in 1952. 1952, 2% of Korea were born-again Christians. Today, they brag that there's close to 70% of the entire nation of South Korea are Christians, born-again Christians. 70%! Wouldn't that be wonderful if that happened in Canada? We need that kind of revival within our own churches because if it doesn't happen, folks, we are in serious trouble. The Bible says that we are called to be his children. And as we recognize that, we will see that God is bigger than us. That he wants to, he wants to move within our circles. He wants to touch lives. I know that prayer is so vitally important. When you go into Korean service, as I said, people are all praying at the same time. That's the way you do it. So you don't see anybody very quiet there. They are all shouting out their prayers. You, you'd almost think it was, a, well, I, I remember going into, you know, there were, under the churches that I was a part of, we, I don't think we ever saw that, but I was in a church in Toronto, Evangel Temple, and uh, the pastor that was there was, was introducing an evangelist. I'll never forget his name. It rather had a nice role to it. J.B. Walker, the Reverend J.B. Walker. And when he stood up and began to pray, to, to preach, I'll tell you, he rattled everyone. He was from Dallas, Texas. And you could tell he had an American accent. But I'll tell you, God moved through him and people came forward by the dozens in that church service. There were probably 1,800, 2,000 people there. But there were hundreds of people who made commitments to Christ that night. J.B. Walker once said to people, you know, I've got people back in Dallas, Texas praying for me right now that God would touch people's lives through my preaching. And I've been enjoying the, the fruit of that ever since. They join consistently in prayer. It's a wonderful prayer that I picked up a little while ago. I don't know the author. As a matter of fact, I don't think it was ever recorded. But you know, a lot of us have been doing this prayer thing this uh, outreach in our own strength. But here's what, here's what this person wrote. I got up one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray. The problems just tumbled about me and heavier became each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I longed to see joy and beauty, but the day was dark and dreary. I wondered why God didn't show me. He answered, you didn't seek me. God gently and lovingly chided. Oh, I tried to come into God's presence and I used all the keys at the lock. But God gently and lovely, lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up this morning early and paused before entering my day and I had so much to accomplish. I knew I had to pray. You know, I have the wonderful joy of, of driving here every Sunday and often leaving after Monday's visits. And uh, when you're in a truck for an hour and a half, 
Well, might as well be praying as sitting there just trying to observe what's going on around you. I usually have some worship music in my truck and I have the privilege of meeting with God every Sunday morning. And then again, as I leave every Monday afternoon. If we are coming into his presence on a daily basis, we see that God will work and transform. I never forget a former well-known president who wrote, we have been the recipients of the greatest blessings from heaven. We have been preserved in peace and prosperity. We've grown in numbers, wealth and power, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand of God who preserved us in peace and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue that come from our own minds and hearts. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we've become self-sufficient. We need to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace and return to prayer. We should be moved to humble ourselves before God, confessing our national sins and praying for forgiveness. And do we ever need to do that? as a nation of Canada. I'm not going to get into any of the politics, but I fear for our country. The president, of course, who, who preached this was April 30th, 1863, none other than Abraham Lincoln. He proclaimed a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer after the, the war, the civil war that had occurred and ripped apart his nation. Nations as well as we, as individuals, need to confess our sins. For prayer guides us, delivers us, heals us, and shapes us into a people of integrity. And three, if we are to be Pentecostal, not only are we to be united, not in terms of the denomination, not only are we to be people of prayer, but we as a church, that is Pentecostal, need to learn to repent. That's why I remind us every Sunday morning to repent. Because we need to do that. We need to clear the decks of our lives in order for God to be able to work through us. Because it's an impediment for the Holy Spirit to work when there is sin in our lives. There's an impediment for the Holy Spirit to work in our nation unless we repent of our sins. Peter does it well. First church's first leader reminded the people at that time he was preaching to of their sin, that God had worked through Jesus, but the people nailed him to a cross, putting him to death. But God raised him and exalted him to the right hand of the Father. And verse 36 says, Be assured of this, God made this Jesus, whom you crucified. He is now the Lord and the Christ and the Messiah that was called for so long ago. So they asked him, what should we do then? And Peter said, repent. But what a repentance it was. For in fact, at that point, 3,000 people. Wouldn't you love to see that happen? In our community, in Elfin and Snow Road, 3,000 people came to know Christ, received Christ, and they were baptized that very day. I've never done that. Oh. No, I've never done that. Within the week, yes. But in my church in, in uh, Toronto, when I was at Grace, we always 
baptized all the new people who came to know Christ. The church wanted us to do it. The session wanted me to do it. And we had a hot tub in our backyard. And the backyard kind of spilled out onto, uh, onto the parking lot. So what we would do is we would leave the service when we were going to do the baptism at the end of the service. And we all went over to our hot tub, which, uh, which really worked well. It was nice and warm. And, uh, and I'm telling you, everybody got blessed after they went down and came back up. It was a wonderful experience. But it was because people decided that they wanted to see Jesus. They want to be transformed or be willing to be transformed by Christ. What should we do? Repent. Repentance was, is a changing of your minds. It's a realization of your mistake. And it's accepting the one that you may have once condemned because... You are now a child of God. Receiving Christ for the forgiveness of our sins is one of the greatest moments in the life of every believer. But we must not leave it there. We must move on and grow and develop and be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. My conclusion, therefore, today, through unity, prayer, and repentance, we are able to harness the power of the Holy Spirit. And I leave with this closing story that was in your uh, uh, little booklet, uh, uh, daily bread uh, this morning. Abby's prayer. When Abby was a sophomore in high school, she and her mom heard a news story about a young man who'd been critically injured in a plane crash, an accident that took the lives of his father and stepmother. Although they didn't know the person, Abby's mom said, we need to pray for him and his family, and they did. Fast forward a few years later, and one day Abby's walking into her class at university and a student offered a seat next to him. That student was Austin Hatch, the plane crash victim Abby had prayed for. Soon they were dating, and in 2018 they were married, and she responds just before they were to tie the knot, it's crazy to think that I was praying for my future husband. What a wonderful story of answered prayer. But God's word tells us, Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6, 16 to 20, I urge you that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. With this in mind, we need to understand that we need to pray for others more today than we ever have before. Why? Because God is wanting to move in, in, uh, in McDonald's corners. He wants to move an elephant, and he wants to move in you and me. Blessed be his holy name. And so I ask again, are we Pentecostal? Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for your goodness to us. Today as we have gathered together, we ask you that the spirit of the living God would rest on each one of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Turn with me in your hymn books, number 400. We're going to sing it before we receive the offering. It's a wonderful piece. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me.
God, we ask you today that you'd receive our gifts. Use both gift and giver for the ongoing work of your kingdom. Through Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer regarding the pastor prayer, and then we will have the Lord's Prayer. There are a number of requests that are before you, and um, we're going to ask you to pick one. So turn to the back of your bulletin. And uh, pick one or two that you feel attached to. I'm going to highlight with prayers for mentioning their first names and ask the Lord to meet them wherever they may be at this moment. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, today that you would fill us full of you, of your Spirit in this day and age in which we live. Lord, make us a people of unity with one accord. Make us people of prayer and people of repentance who know how to repent, to ask forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we know that when we do, you forgive us, and we're so grateful for that. Lord, we come to you today with those that need our prayers. We remember uh, the, Sylvia and Terry, Bob and Robert, Ray, Sophia Dawn, Joyce, Marie Jose, Stan, Morgan Warp, Nick Wheeler, and Kathy Sarvis. Those in retirement homes, Rita and Audrey and Dawn and Donna, Lord, we pray for them. And Lord, we pray for those requests that we might have personally, maybe some of these people, and in your mercy, O oh Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our nation. Bring renewal to our whole nation because Canada needs it 
in this day and age, and especially at this time in our history, if we ever needed it, it is today. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with each one of us. Through Christ our Lord, we pray, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as you forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We're going to close with a hymn that um, Your Light Has Come, number uh, 712. And let's stand together as we close our service. 712. Sunday, uh, and uh, somebody said to me this morning, is it leftover, uh, for leftovers from previous uh, uh, events? And I said, no, it's not. It, as a matter of fact, the young lady that that is making it, uh, Tom knows her because she buys your maple syrup from you, from the, from the uh, Kinburn area, and uh, she, her name is Kathy, and she was one of our she was one of Catherine's uh, students in Sunday school. And uh, so she has graciously said that she would be glad to do it. So I'm not going to tell you what it is, but next Sunday, man, if you're here, you don't get one if you're not here. Just understand that. And so we will look forward to that uh, next Sunday. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and fellowship and communion of his Holy Spirit rest on each one of you that we might walk in newness of life, that we might be filled with the Spirit daily in order that we might have him work through us on a daily basis. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. We hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are.